Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, welcome to a new season, 2019, and uh, the first Fox Rugby Podcast of the year. And it's, uh, it's good to be back in uh, 2019 and looking forward to a big season, a World Cup year. I'm Nick McArdle, along with Christy Doran and Sam Worthington from foxrugby.com or foxsports.com.au. First mistake of the year, well done. Um, <laughs> guys, I want to hear about your off-seasons. What did you, what did you get up to, Sammy? Yeah, a big fitness focus in the off-season. That's um, noticeable. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing some slimming black. I didn't get the pink shirt memo today, but uh, and I ducked back home to New Zealand for a couple of weeks to catch up with friends and family and the, and the World Cup and the Bledisloe Cup. Caught up, caught up with all the old, the old favourites. Did you Excellent. catch up with Raylene over there? Didn't spot her, no. No, it's, uh, it's a small country, but not quite that small. I didn't, didn't spot her over there. <laughs> Christy? Fair enough. Uh, I was on cricket duties. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've had a couple of days off just now, just before the season. So ready to rumble. Uh, and, Nick, talk us through your um, your arm. You've got a bit of blood to match that pink shirt uh, of yours. Yes, no, I had a, I had a slightly embarrassing <laughs> moment out for a run the other day, and it was early in the morning, and... Um, I just tripped over, <laughs> fell, <laughs> fell over and took a tumble and gave a few people jogging the other way uh, a bit of a laugh to begin their day and, um, yeah, it was uh, couldn't find a hole to, to hide in so I just got up and kept going very bravely. What else did you get up to though, other than falling over? Uh, no, we had, a, um, we had a, a few days in Fiji just before Christmas which was very nice and played a game of... Uh, Touch footy on the beach to make the whole trip tax deductible, so that was um, <laughs> that was well thought out, and uh, and, and then uh, Christmas with the with the family in South Australia, so no, very enjoyable and, and very relaxed. Now, Christy, big day for you. You're off after the podcast to uh, have a training session with the Waratahs, which we won't talk too much about because I, I think that we'll see that on uh, foxsports.com.au. But uh, it is important when you. Uh, have a contact session, particularly with a professional rugby team, that you do wear a mouth guard. Have you got a mouth guard? Yeah, yeah, pick, picked one up earlier. <laughs> does, does, it, does it fit, Christy? <laughs> I'll, I'll just butt in here. So I've, I've rocked up to work today, uh, spotted Christy uh, just parking his car and asked if he's all sorted and he said, yeah, I've got my mouth guard, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit very well. I don't, don't quite know why. <laughs> I've, I've uh, yeah, explained the boiling water moulding yes. concept, so we're, um, we're good to go. We'll do that straight after this, this recording, I think, <laughs> won't we? <laughs> it's, that yeah. is remarkable. How old are you? Uh, 26. Okay. 27. Good. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing like uh, your, your first contact session. Why not make it with a professional rugby team uh, a few days out from the Super Rugby yeah, Open? It's a good, right. good place to start. You're going to get completely destroyed. Um, anyway, some happenings. Some happenings uh, in the off-season in Australian rugby. Um, and just, uh, well, just over a week ago now, wasn't it? The... Uh, the sacking, the letting go of uh, the attack coach, Stephen Larkin, one of the greats of the game. What was your take on all of that? Well, it wasn't particularly uh, much of a surprise, really, after in January the, the Wallabies had their pre-season camp, which had been spoken about at length, really, and uh, and Larkin was the only coach not there. So I think that really um, kind of signified that that was probably the end of, of Bernie, which if you, if you thought about it before Christmas, if, if who was most likely to go, Simon Rowell Louis, the the uh, forwards coach, and probably Nathan Gray were the two most under pressure, along with along with Checker, even though the attack hadn't fired at all. So from that respect, a bit of a surprise that 
Stephen Larkin is maybe the scapegoat. Um, but there, there can't be any question that the Wallabies' attack had been poor for some time. Yeah, like you say, I think any any of those assistant coaches were in the firing line. It was you know none of them could say they had rock solid claims to their job, did they? But um, yeah, if, if you'd said this a year ago, you'd you'd be surprised because Bernie was the heir apparent, wasn't he? And mm-hmm. Checker was openly, I guess, grooming him for Talking that, him that, that yeah. role. Yeah. So there's there's been a, a real uh, change of tack, and it, it sounds like that Chick's uh, plan now is to to revert back to more of the style we saw in 2014 with the the Waratahs to play that more direct. Um, forward orientated around the around the fringes game by the sounds of it. So um, yeah, the, the the big question now, of course, is who who replaces Bernie um, to, to fire up that that attack come to, come the World Cup. Or just on that, and I know you guys, you know, it's, it's your job. You work the phones and you make the calls. What are you what are you hearing? Well, look, I think it, what makes it even more difficult to. Put, uh, put your finger on is the fact that Scott Johnson, the new director of rugby that come in uh, just before Christmas, but ironically he's not going to be here until middle of March following the Six Nations. He's not here for a couple of more months. So clearly uh, you, you have to think about a short-term contract for one year to get you through to the, the World Cup and then blow the whole thing up following that. So who's prepared to come on for one year when the Wallabies seems like a bit of a sinking ship? Um, I don't know if there'd be too many big names. Well, that's harsh. Wow, look, they've dropped six. They could have gone to seventh had Scotland won over the weekend. Um, it's it's a tough road, long road back for the Wallabies at this stage. But uh, I, I've, I've heard that, and I thought this was occurring even before. Um, I'd heard that Matt Guido, even before the the axing of, of Stephen Larkham, could be coming back in some way, shape or form, not necessarily as the attack coach, but perhaps coming on as a skills coach. I wonder whether or not now that Larkham is gone, if he actually just comes in to fill that role. He's got a close relationship with Checker. Um, believe he was cool. asked to come out of international retirement for this tournament in September. So we'll see. Watch this space. Mm. I'm going to point out that he has never coached before, really. Wow, look, that's that, that's the that's the big question mark, and it's, it would be a huge but, yeah. gamble. But um, I think we've, we've talked about it a lot. Daryl Gibson, he Rayland Castle said no, we're not going to pluck anyone out of Super, and Daryl himself said no, look, it's not even on the radar. But as you alluded to it, th- this is a special case where th- there's no actual clash and timing, you can come and clean after Super Rugby and just go through to the the World Cup on a short term basis, and and Gibson works with. Foley, Bill, Flau, um on a week in, week out basis. He's worked with Czech before. It makes a lot of sense. Very to, successfully too. Twenty fourteen, yeah, and ever in, the, in Super Rugby. The Tars attack strong again last season. So um, yeah, I think uh, everyone's talking that down at the moment. But I think the more that they they look at it, that that does make a lot of sense. Is quite an easy, clean, clean fit. I'd say also for Gibson too. It would it would be a little path into international rugby. I, I, I suspect most coaches want to coach at the top level. So what better opportunity, I think, for, for Daryl to get a couple of months under his belt and maybe have an extra year or two at the Tars and then after that start to spread his wings even more. We'll see. Interesting. So, yeah, the next uh, the next couple of months is going to be very interesting for all sorts of reasons uh, in Australian rugby. And, and one of those reasons, I guess, is how the, uh, the Australian teams fare in super rugby, looking for a much improved performance to build that momentum, that much needed momentum as we head towards uh, the World Cup in Japan. Um, now, last week, the Super Rugby launch in Sydney and, should be said, the Super W launch at the same time, at the same venue as part of the same event, which I thought was 
terrific to to elevate the women for the first time to be to be launched as joint competitions was uh, was a tremendous initiative by um, Rugby Australia. But um, you guys had a bit of a, a chance to to work the room and and have a chat to uh, to a few of the the key identities from the Super Rugby teams. And let's start with first up the Tars. Um, Christy, you had a chat with uh, with Daryl Gibson. Let's have a a listen to that chat with the Tars coach, Dale Gibson, and then we'll get some reaction after. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. All right, Daryl Gibson, uh, another year as a head coach for the Waratahs. How does this one compare to previous years? Well, they're all different. Obviously, um, they're never, never the same, typically given... They're always changing squads, um, changing coaching teams, so it's all different dynamic. But, uh, certainly this year we feel um, like we're a deeper squad, um, got more versatility, and recruited people that will strengthen the areas that we felt we were vulnerable last, last season. Yeah, a couple of those people that have come in, Chris Whitaker, uh, pretty well-known person in Waratahs land and across Australian rugby. What, what's he been like? Uh, he's a pretty quiet, softly spoken sort of yeah, bloke. Yeah, it's really good to have that link um, that Chris brings around being a former Waratah and former Waratah captain. And, um, we have a Centurions room, you know, over 100 games, and he's, his photo's up there. So Does he remind you of that? No, he, he's a very <laughs> um, humble man, so he hates it, you know, seeing himself <laughs> every day. But certainly it's good to have him there and the, the values that... Um, yeah, you hope to remain from when he was a player. Um, still On the other hand, you've got Steve Tandy from from Wales, and can anyone actually understand him? Uh, yeah, well, we send the interpreter out every now and then, but he, uh, Steve, was with us last season. Yeah, uh, you know, as a professional development uh, for himself. So for him, really, it's second year. You know, he knows all the players. He's very familiar with uh, how we do things. Uh, and he's got a real uh, firm brief to, to stiffen up our defence, um, which last season you know, conceded too often and too easily at times. And then the final member of the coaching staff, really, uh, Simon Cron, who's probably um, the loudest and most psycho of the lot, would you, would yeah, you say? Yeah, well, most forward co- coaches tend to be. And, um, yeah, Simon's in a second year now with us. Um, and we, we feel like a second-year team because of the things we tried to put in place last season are a year on now, and so the players um, can pick them up quicker. Um, they understand the you know, year older and year wiser and how we want, want things done. And I think he's finding that with the forwards and, and the types of uh, systems he's putting in place in terms of the line-out and the scrum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, clearly there's going to be questions asked, particularly at the start of the season, guys like Carmichael and Adam Ashley Cooper coming down. Look, we don't really need to talk up Adam's credentials, third most capped Wallaby of all time. Carmichael, on the other hand, um, he's not as old as Adam, but he's got a bit of a chequered history. But what would you say to those that are doubting, you know, those signings? Well, I guess it's uh, an opportunity, firstly, for Carmichael to, to come and prove that opinion wrong. You know, I've certainly been um, very impressed with the way he conducts himself and, and the way he's played and performed and trains him on a daily basis. I think part of that decision in getting uh, the likes of Adam and Carmichael, uh, twofold really. One is we wanted to uh, gain that experience and, and the stiffness that we we seek in defence around, both of them are excellent defenders, 
Uh, so part of that is going to recruit people who are good in that area, and we've, we've done that. Uh, and then also we've got a number of younger players coming through our system now. Um, yeah, I think of uh, Alex Newsom, Lalakai Fakiri, uh, even further down to you know, Will Harrison, Ben Donaldson. They're really going to benefit from learning from these guys, but in the meantime also to be protected before they are super rugby ready. Yeah. You know, for, to ask um, younger players to get out there on the, the biggest stage and perform at such a young age before they're ready, it's difficult. And so. I really see that um, yeah, the benefit from, from recruiting guys like me. And Carmichael, I think his family's based down in the Southern Highlands. But is it is it true that he rocked up and he, and you had him for a night? Yeah, I've had him for for a little while. It, it's a really um, a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, to open your home and, and let guys come and um, can live with you and. Uh, how, how does that conversation start? Go like, oh, I've got a um, spare bed, well, or you know, you've got a few kids. Yeah, we do. <laughs> whenever you have um, you know, new players to your team, um, it's always difficult to, uh, you know, getting to a new city and relocating. And so you know, we've always got a, a spare room at our place and you know, take advantage of that. And so last year, clearly the Waratahs topped the Australian Conference. They, they go on to make the semi-finals too. Do you feel um, clearly? That's a great result for the Waratahs. Signs of improvement. You would have wanted to make the final and win it, no doubt. But um, this year, how do you, do, do, is there going to be any changes, or, or do you, yeah, yeah, well, how do you improve on that result? Yeah, you mark those improvements that would um, help us get to the uh, the playoffs and then um, take that extra step to be really competitive in that playoff time. Um, you can't look too far beyond making the playoffs. I think. You look around our conference. I think all the teams have, have strengthened. Yeah. Um, and so, it becomes around making sure that uh, the way you approach the season, um, the squad you have, uh, arranging your team in, in, a, in a way and organising, and that gets the best out of the squad is, becomes important. As I said to you at the start, every year is different based on um, what you have in front of you. And this year we're, we're trying to work out what, what exactly our style and identities look like. And the, and the Hurricanes first up, it's, don't get too many harder challenges than the Hurricanes, but out at Brookie Oval up in the Northern Beaches, that's a great opportunity to, to get the season underway on a positive yeah, start. Absolutely. The opportunity we have this season is uh, with the stadium redevelopment, we get to travel our state. Um, Brookvale, we really enjoyed our time there last season. And to get the Hurricanes, you know, top four team, um, first up uh, over there, it's a real bonus. And obviously, we want to perform well on our first hit up, uh, and we're all facing this, this similar constraints. And that um, you know, maybe our best players won't be available in, uh, for that fixture. And we'll see how we go. Can you talk us through that? You know, the, the, the Bernard Foley the other day just talked about. He wants a bit more cl- yeah. clarity. How do you think they'll work this year? Yeah, well, you know, last year we played um, Bernard uh, nearly all the games. Um, KP played six, 18 out of 18. Thirty-one all, all, all up, so mm. he, he had a huge workload. Um, we reflected on last season and, and knew that we we played our best players too often. And, and part of that strategy is, is getting players who can um, cover them when, when necessary to, to make sure that they are getting through to um, you know, through the season in the best possible condition. So um, I think managing that dynamic for us this season becomes really important in terms of the squad management. We know we've got to do that better. And we also we want our players to give themselves the best opportunity to make the World Cup squad mm. uh, and perform well at the World Cup um, because we, we need the Wallabies to, to perform well and do well. 
We certainly do. Well, great opportunities for people like Mac Mason and, and Will Miller this year. Um, Daryl, great to chat to you on the Fox Radio Pod and look forward to talking to you throughout the year. Cheers. Yeah, Daryl Gibson there, the uh, Waratahs coach in 2019, the nomadic Waratahs coach. Um, they will be uh, travelling far and wide because of uh, the renovation or demolition of Allianz Stadium this year. A couple of things I wanted to pick up on there. Um, interesting to get his view on the value of the likes of Carmichael Hunt and Adam Ashley Cooper um, basically being a bit of a, a buffer so these you know fresh-faced kids don't have to be introduced to the rigours of Super Rugby so quickly. That's something that Stephen Hoyles has spoken a bit about, the, the fact that um, he thinks Australian rugby would be better if some of those young players coming into professional rugby had a few few more miles on, on the clock when they when they do that. So that's an interesting thing. And also the, the issue of player management. And I'm still not sure that Daryl explained how he's going to manage that, that issue within the TARS either. Yeah, totally. It's, <clears throat> I think all, all the coaches are going to have to deal with it at stages, but particularly the TARS uh, and, and the Rebels this year with a, a lot of the... Wallabies going to be made up from those two teams. The Brumbies, their forward pack, there's a, a number of test players there too. So um, I don't. I think they're going to be doing this on the run a little bit as well. And if a, if a side like the Reds, who've got a very tough opening couple of months, um, if they lose a, a few matches, it's pretty hard to say, oh, we're going to you know, rest Samu Karevi, for instance. Um, yeah. So they, they get to the last month and have to win three out of their last four to be a shot at the playoffs. Hello, you know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a theme across, I think, all these chats um, and, and, and throughout the, the season, this this player workload issue. And, um, yeah, I, I have my doubts for all the talk about a, a great big loving now that, you know, when the rubber hits the road, there will be um, some, some teething problems and some issues uh, come up. It, it doesn't seem clear what exactly the the strategy is, and even even Bernard seems a little bit confused. So um, yeah, still some some big question marks there on what's actually going to happen throughout the season. It's important though to remember someone like Bernard Foley, who quite possibly could leave Australian rugby at the end of the year, continue playing for the Wallabies because he's played more than sixty caps. But who the heck is the next ten for the Waratahs? And that seemingly is Mac Mason. So. He needs to play a few games this year. There's no doubt about that. We've seen Foley when he was had the concussion problems a couple of years ago. Mason get one or two opportunities and showed a lot of potential against the Crusaders, for instance. So uh, I think people have got to get behind it, really, the idea. Yeah. Long-term long gain for a bit of short-term pain. Absolutely. Mm. New Zealand yeah. rugby has been doing it for, for years. The Crusaders used to always rest McCall and Reed and Dag and other players yeah. like that for the first month. No, it's clearly the right thing to do, like some of those numbers. Um, you didn't actually realise it at the time, but for, for the likes of Foley to be playing 30 plus games, that's that's ridiculous. It's just it's too much. So um, yeah, Michael Hooper hasn't. Uh, Daryl seems to be talking about the backs more, doesn't he? But Hooper's got an incredible workload, and, and yeah, you'd, you'd like to think he'll be managed sensibly because Will Miller's a, a more than adequate replacement at number seven as well. Israel Falau's played a lot of rugby as well in the last year or so. Um, okay, so for the Tars, uh, top of the Australian Conference. Last year, let's talk about overall predicted finish. Where do you see the Tars finishing in 2019, Sammy? Yeah, I think they top the Aussie Conference again. I think that that smattering of world class talent that they've got, even though they will be rested, I still think they've they've got enough there. Um, you know, they were very close to making the grand final last year. Let's not forget. And I think, uh, yeah, Ashley Cooper and, and Hunt. Um, Hunt probably more of a gamble than than Ashley Cooper, but I think they will both uh, add a lot of value. So yeah, I think just just that real extra X factor that they've got in the backs um, probably separates them from the other Aussie teams a bit. 
Yeah, I've got big concerns over their tight five. Like they're already missing Tom Robinson up front, um, Shem Beckler, Vui, the the other young up and coming prop, uh, just picked up a niggle in their trial. So whether or not he's out for a little while too, they've got serious concerns in their prop. Uh, Hugh Roach. Stocks. Yeah, Hiraj going on. Sakopi Kepu is clearly the big one for them. Um, is going to have to shoulder a lot of the, the burden there, but he, he he'll probably be asked to rest one or two games too. So um, I think it comes down to how their tight five performs because clearly their back row improved. Um, Jack Dempsey's back. He'll be featuring and bolstering that side too. Um, and their back line, you don't really need to talk too much about it. It's, it's, probably, it's up there with the best back line in the comp. Um, good luck trying to find a, a better one. Really classy. I think, though, the Rebels, I would probably tip them just in front of the Tars, but I wouldn't be surprised if both those two teams do make the finals. All right, so from uh, the Waratahs, let's move on now to the Reds, who were much improved, it must be said, in 2018, uh, but still looking to make their first uh, final series since 2013, I think. Uh, So let's uh, hear from uh, Brad Thorne and, and Christy's chat with the Reds coach. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Need your prediction, Well, this is a bit of a treat. Brad Thorne played a few games in your career. There's no doubt about that. Approaching 2019, what are you? What are your expectations for the Reds this year? Uh, my expectation is that they rip in. I really want them to. Uh, last year was the way it came about. Paul Crozer and I, yeah, we're quite late um, coming into the coaching role there and um, coming off an NRC straight into Super Rugby season. Probably didn't get the best preparation time. This year we've had time to review the past season and plan and prepare uh, this season. Uh, I feel like we've rolled out a a professional program over the pre-season and and, I feel like we have things in place for the season, so um, I feel like the, the guys are better equipped, and um, yeah, my expectation is that they wear the Queensland jersey of pride and uh, they compete to the best of their ability. And um, you know, we, we really want to try and do something in this comp this year. Yeah, because in many ways last year, six wins, and I know you would have wanted more, but in many ways for the team, the roster you had, the late coaching structure that, that was put in place actually wasn't a bad effort, the most amount of wins the Reds had had in, in many years. So lots of positives coming out of that. Um, this year, it's, it's a tough start to the season. You've got the Highlanders away, you've got the Crusaders at home, then you've got the Warriors. The whole idea about the Reds, the strategy behind things, have been believe something that you've been talking about a lot as well. You've got to hope that the, not only the team believes that, but also the fan base too. Yeah. That is a tough start, but so was last year. Five of our first seven games were away as well. With the, I don't know if you remember, around the world trip yeah. to, to London and all sorts of things. And the guys, um, yeah, we did well in that in that part of uh, the season. So um, yeah, it is what it is, and um, um, we'll be going at those games, and we'll be going to compete and talk about belief. Um, you know, is a, you know, a bit of marketing around belief, but um, if you don't have belief in yourself and what you're trying to do, um, um, you know, after you've worked hard and prepared well, and, you know, um, 
you're not going to get anywhere. You know, you need to uh, believe in yourselves. And, and uh, uh, I think this group does, and, and um, I'm looking forward to um, seeing them again uh, uh, each week. Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that the side will be all the better for last year's experiences. Um, do you feel like you've got the team, the squad that you want now, now that you've seen Carmichael and Quaid and James go elsewhere, that this is your starting to get to what squad you want? Well, I guess, yeah, last year, you sort of inherit what, what's there. Mm. And, yeah, as you saw last year, I brought through a lot of young players, trying to get new blood through the club. And, a lot of talent in Queensland. I think 40 percent of Super Rugby the players are Queenslanders. So um, for me, we need to value the talent coming through and foster it. And, um, so yeah, a lot of them are getting a second stint this year, a second uh, crack at Super Rugby, and I'm hoping that they're, you know, they've gained some experience and um, yeah, they know what it's all about now, and, um, and they'll be ripping in. Um, but yeah, the, the squads. Uh, no, it's a, I feel comfortable with it, and, uh, and you know, we're ready to go. What about the pre-season that, that you had? There was a couple of army little camps in there. Was there anyone that caught you by surprise or, or um, a task that tested them a little bit more than you might have thought or they thought? Well, they went to you know, a dark space, which was good. Because uh, you love those dark spaces. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Wayne Bennett was a fan of army camps. I, I lost count of army, the amount of army camps. <laughs> I did. So I got the Highlanders to, to do one uh, when I was there as well. I was, I was a player, but I talked to the staff in the camp. camps. So. Um, the camps are good, mate, because the army, you know, the armed forces, they're the best in the business of bringing young men together and working hard and giving them experience to help build character and I uh, really respect and appreciate what they've done for it, to helping us there. The guys, uh, there was a great response last year. They, um, they sort of tried to survive it. Whereas this year, uh, I said, uh, I didn't hide that it was coming. I said, here it is. And um, uh, this time I want you to really go at this camp, probably somewhere for the season. So um, the boys got through in um, three day, what is it, 48 hours. It's not a big deal when you think about it, uh, but um, yeah, they, they got some good stuff out of it. And I just say, as a whole team, um, I was you know, I was pleased that they did their business. And, um, you know, some good stories afterwards, and you know, I felt like I, you can see a little bit of growth, but you know, a bit more of a hardened edge. Uh, some good you know, togetherness and um, some good camaraderie there for just working hard together. Certainly, certainly. And what about the team? Um, We've spoken about the youngsters coming through, and clearly this Ford pack is coming through that Brad Thorne sort of style, cut from the same sort of cloth. The, the back line is probably where the big questions are at 10 and 12. Do you think there's, a, there's going to be enough points in this, in this team to, to compete and to compete regularly? I guess we'll see, but um, you know, we've got an ex Wallaby coach, and, um, you know, Super Rugby winner, and Jim McKay. So, um, yeah, he's got about 24, 25 years of experience. I'd like to think you have an impact on, you know, our young halves, our halves are young. Um, you know, I look outside of that, and we've got some, you know, real good threats over there with Samu and, you know, Bataille and Sefer and Chris There's definitely a strike out there. It's just about um, directing the team around and, and, and getting the best out of those, that talent on the outside. So. 
Well, I look forward to seeing how it plays out, Brad. Great to have you on the Fox Rugby podcast and look forward to talking to you throughout the year. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, Brad Thorne there. And uh, good to get a bit of his time in a a busy lead-up to the season. And that, um, that camp, that he's talking about and, and the players going to dark places. We did a, a pre-season shoot at Ballymore uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was just after that camp and it was the topic of conversation amongst the players. And, um, yeah, not much sleep, not much food, a lot of hiking, a lot of really uh, testing activities. But they were saying that they know now that when they get to the 78th minute, they might be a point down or it might be, you know, scores even, and they look at the bloke next to them and they know that, they can all go the distance for each other. It, uh, it works in, in a psychological sense. It, it really works. Yeah, talking to Samu Karebi about it as well, uh, he, he yeah, has some, some fond memories of it, but at least they were prepared for it this year because he was saying the previous year they got told, you know, we're doing a weekend camp down at the Gold Coast and the, the players all thought <laughs> of how good packed the, packed the budgie smugglers and thought they were going to splash around for the weekend and ended up uh, in, this, in this army camp. So, yeah, pretty, pretty tough stuff, but at least they were prepared for it this, this time around. And the other thing that is noticeable when you see the Reds is that they are fit. Um, a couple of the bigger boys have, have lost some, some weight. Uh, a couple of the smaller boys have put on some weight. They are, uh, in terms of their, their fitness and their pre-season, they look as if they've done the work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, like, I thought it was interesting, um, Brad touching upon Jim McKay's um, appointment there. And he's not the only one. Peter Ryan coming up from the Brumbies, a former Bronco um, teammate of Thorns too. So there's going to be a real hardness uh, amongst the defence, I think, this year. Um, previously, it's just been a you know, swinging gate, just been open and defences have walked right through. But uh, I don't think we'll see that this year. And, and Mackay in the back line, that's, that's the big question, isn't it, with you've got Hamish Stewart and Karevi at 12, fullback probably Bryce Hegarty. They need to score points. They need to be getting 25-plus regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we focus a lot on the, the big-name players coming and going, don't we? But the, the coaching staff, um, probably more important, really, and in, in, in moulding a whole squad together. So, yeah, like you say, Jim Mackay, Peter Ryan, and then also Dave Allred, uh, John Johnny Wilkinson's old kicking coach. Brad Thorne's now got a, a vastly experienced crew around him, which is clearly what he needs. Um, you look around Australia, we've got young uh, head coaches at the moment, and they need these experienced people like Laurie Fisher at the Brumbies, um, you know, really, really helping them develop. Well, the other guy that um, that Brad is always very keen to mention in terms of accolades is Cameron Lillycrap. Um, mm. You know, the, 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 physio, the man of many talents, physiotherapist, but uh, in this case, the, the scrum doctor yep. at at the Reds. And um, and if you happen to see the Reds' performance against the Chiefs in that trial game, they dominated. Uh, in the forward pack. So, you know, there's some good things happening uh, happening there as well. Yeah, that scrum's a real weapon. We saw it last year with, with the Tong and Thor, but not just him, the the Smith twins. They're very good players as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think we can can count on the Reds forward pack doing the business. And as, as you said, Christy, it's just going to come down to the backs and whether they can add the polish. Yep, and um, average age of 22, 23, around, around about 23. So, yeah. you know, you've got... Young guys in there, um, Liam Wright, Taniela Tupo, we know, Angus Scott Young, of course, we know. And you mentioned Hamish Stewart, but um, I can't wait to see uh, second year in Jordan Pattaya, what he can be in Super Rugby and potentially in a gold jersey as well. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he he uh, lines up. I, I think like there's a he's played at fullback. He dominated at outside centre in the NRC, which saw him go on the spring tour and almost become the what the second or third youngest Wallaby of all time. So yeah, he's kind of crept under the radar a little bit. But um, even even at nine, who who plays there? Tate McDermott or Moses Sorevi, Two really ex, um, exciting young prospects. And Hoylesy last year was big about we need to see the nine posing a few more options, running the ball a bit mm. more. So the Reds need that out of their nines, particularly with a young, inexperienced 10 uh, at Stewart. And Stefan Ivalu having uh, headed north from Melbourne as well. So that's a really interesting addition to that uh, to that back line. So predicted finish for the Reds. Yeah, look, we've talked them up a lot, a lot there, but uh, when you look at the other teams, it is hard for me to see them actually finishing on the, above any of the other three Aussie teams. I think they'll be more than competitive. I think they'll, they'll play some good rugby. But, yeah, if you're asking me to, to rank them, it's, it's probably last in the, the Aussie conference for the Reds still. I agree, but I th- well, they won six or seven games last year. Six, I think. Yeah. They're most in four or five years. Some close losses as Some well. Some close losses. I reckon they, they could surprise a, a lot of people out there just because of the internal belief, the culture that they're developing. They've got a roster now that they've, they're not going to be posed with the question, is Quaid going to be coming back in? Is Carmichael coming in? <laughs> Have we got the distraction of James Slipper being stood down halfway through the year? They've got no distractions now. It's them just delivering and, and Brad runs a tight ship, as we know. And um, I, I do think that I think we, we might be um, eating our own words come the end of the year. But I, I agree, they, they probably will come forth in the Aussie Conference. I think they will be big improvers in 2019. Now, you mentioned James Slipper. He has headed to the Brumbies, um, where he has fitted in very well. If you listen to the guys and, and what they're saying about James Slipper, uh, he's been a terrific addition to uh, to that team culture as well. So let's hear from the Brumbies captain, Christian Leliofano. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Well, very warm welcome, Christian Leilefano, to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Christian, start of another year, you've done this quite a few times in the past. Does it get, is it just as exciting each time? Yeah. Oh, thanks for you making me feel my age, man, <laughs> uh, after doing this a, a few times. But, yeah, it, it always gets exciting because, um, yeah, it's of the unknown, you know. Everyone sort of works hard and does pre-seasons and whatnot, and you're excited to see how you're going to turn it all out and, um, and, and the season ahead. This year in particular, is it more special because you're fully fit, you're healthy, you've had to cut like a good 18 months of rugby behind you now? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's given me nothing but confidence um, to be able to, I guess, yeah, get 18 months of footy in some different programs has been nice. But, uh, definitely looking back on the journey I've had, I'm obviously um, really excited and, and grateful for the opportunity to be able to run around again in Super Rugby. So. Yeah, I'm hoping for a big year, feeling as, as fit as I, I can and um, looking to contribute as, as much as I can as well. And, and this time last year, you were coming back from Ulster. Yep. Successful stint over there. And I think the, uh, the Irish, I think they want to get you back there sooner <laughs> rather than later. But what about the pre-season this year, being a part of it and uh, any kind of tricks that Dan's had up his sleeves? No, not really. I think obviously trying to evolve our game and continue to grow that. Uh, we, we finished uh, quite well last year with a little bit of momentum, so it's about um, continue to capitalise on our growth, growth points yeah. um, and continue to learn, but no, no, no tricky thing, I think he's uh, just continually driven, working hard and, and doing all those kind of things, 
Um, and then just the connections. I think building the connection within the group to be able to understand who you're running alongside and, and what he's about has been, been really powerful for us. Certainly has. And what about um, Dan as a coach? Do you feel like he's, he's come on, a, um, particularly off the back of his first full season in charge? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's what I'm excited about as well, is seeing his growth. He's um, definitely take, taken um, everything on board that we sort of reviewed in the past and he's, he's learning quick, which is really, really good in a coach and he's um, continually making change where he needs to and I, and I really appreciate that in a coach. You know, some coaches sort of um, do it their way or the highway sort of thing and uh, he's been really good in understanding and taking on different points of views, but uh, to be able to still... Um, acknowledge and, and put change in and when we need to has been, been pleasing. Tavita Kurunjani, your, your great mate in the back line, a, a train wrecking ball at times, he's started the year pretty well, uh, scoring a few tries in that, in that first trial match. After the disappointment last year of him being injured in that, in that last uh, Super Rugby fixture, do you, do you expect him to, to start the year on fire and, and really push for that World Cup? Because we all know it's, it's not too far away. Absolutely, I've been really pleased with his application in uh, his training um, and now he's not a young player anymore either, he's one of our most experienced uh, players and, and our international player as well so he's, uh, he's had a really good pre-season, he's looking as fit as I've seen him, um, he's in a really good space, yeah so I'm excited to see him here and run around, I'm not going to put any pressure on him, he's, he's a harsh critic on himself so he'll continually push to, to be better and I, I think he'll um, start the season really well. And, and, and to finish up, clearly the news of, of Stephen Larkin will, will dominate for these couple of weeks uh, and until probably a backline coach is, is announced. But I'm sure it would have um, been disappointing for you to see. You, you've spent a lot of years alongside Stephen. Um, how do you think he'll respond to, 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 to the news of him being dropped from the Wallabies? Um, oh, man, he's, he's always one that gets on with it. He'll be able to move on pretty quick and uh, be able to just, yeah, Dig his um, hand up or dig his teeth in or whatever's next for him, you know. And I think um, whatever his role is now, it's coach advisor or something, it's uh, he'll rip into <laughs> that and give his best best foot forward. So I'm excited for him um, to see what his next chapter is in, in his involvement, and, and I wish him well. And, and having been a, a student underneath him, what are, what are his strengths and weaknesses as a, as a backs coach, particularly? Um, obviously, he's his eye in the game. He's uh, what I enjoyed in seeing in his growth was his ability to um, actually coach players, to be able to see pictures, to be able to see, um, to be able to make decisions under pressure and those kind of things. Obviously, he did it so well himself. It was about Didn't he? being able to um, help other guys see that, and, and that's what I, I love. And his, yeah, his, his knowledge, weaknesses are probably just his, his personality. He's obviously a quiet, quiet natured guy and um, a bit of a nerd. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he's he's a fantastic person, someone that I highly respect, and, and I continue to wish him well. Oh, we look forward to seeing how he and you go throughout the year. Best of luck, Christian. Thanks for joining. Awesome, man. Thank you, Christian Lilifano. There, just having a, a little shot at Stephen Larkin, but that's fine. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him, as you say, with uh, fitness under his belt, a bit of rugby under his belt. He is the standalone captain at the Brumbies this year, has shared the leadership in, in recent years. It's, uh, it's so good to see Christian Leliafano back and uh, in full fitness. But, gee, you look at that 
team, Spate, Kundrani, uh, Banks, Co, Al Alatoa, Slipper, Pocock, Samu. Didn't really touch on, on Pete Samu there. Uh, Cusack, McCaffrey, Valentini. Second rowers, um, Carter, Arnold. Jeez, there's some talent in that team. Stack full of wallabies, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. And, yeah, they'll, they'll probably be able to rotate a bit better than, than perhaps the other teams. They won't um, necessarily suffer as much. Obviously, Pocock's a, a big one, and, and uh, he'll have to be managed very carefully with his uh, neck issue. But, yeah, great great uh, depth, particularly in the forward pack. Um, and I think the, the question, kind of similar to the Reds, will come down to 9, 10, 12. Mm. Do they have the, the game breakers, the game controllers to to you know, push them in, in, into real finals contention. You bang on, yeah. I think um, Joe Powell's developing into a good super rugby player. Probably hasn't quite um, uh, turned that potential into a test match rugby and, and we've seen that once or twice. He's been kind of showing up there, but good player when it's a little bit looser and there's not the, the pressure around the breakdown that there is at test footy, but Lately, I think he'll do well, better than he did last year. He finished the season really, really strongly and had a great game against the Tars at 12, though, with no Kyle Godwin, who was coming into his own at the end of the season last year too. It's it's the big one, 10 and 12 in Super Rugby where the space and, and – um, but you, you you listed the rest of the team and it's as, it's kind of world-class, mm. isn't it? Mm. And you look back at the last month of last season, they were one of the – if not the form team in the whole comp. They were playing some superb rugby. They just left their run a bit too late. But now they've got a very clear vision of how they want to play under Dan McKellar, um, you know, quite a – quite an expansive style. It, it took them a while last yeah. year. It, they, they admitted that. And I think Dan admitted that, that, uh, that it just took them so long. But when they did uh, get some momentum at the back end of the season, they only just missed out on, on making the finals. Exactly right. Yeah, so um, I think you know, they've got a pretty settled squad and that they there's no reason why they won't hit the ground running this season, I don't think. Their, uh, their front row actually reminds me, it's it kind of almost building like a Crusaders front row. In the past, they've always had Crockett's and... Other guys, you know, Moody and the Franks brothers, they've had so many test international front rowers. Yep. And and you now look at that with the Brumbies and Slipper bolstering their stocks massively. That There is a little, a few similarities there, I think. Yeah, well, if, if fully fit, you're going to have, uh, no matter which way it rolls out, you, you're going to have a prop with just a stack of test matches under his belt coming off the, the bench every week to, to finish luxury. off the game for you. It's fantastic. Tony Pulu's an interesting one, having made the move across the Tasman um, and he's talked about his desire to uh, perhaps get a, a Wallaby jersey and um, and he was invited and was part of the, the pre-season Wallaby camp. Um, it's strong uh, competition for, for spots even on the, the wing at the Brumbies. That's what he's got to lock in first before we even start about thinking about him as a Wallaby. Yeah, that's right. He's an interesting character. Polo, he's in his late 20s, I think. He was born in um, Los Angeles, I believe, but he's got an Australian mother, so qualifies. But, yeah, he's got what he does have is serious pace um, up there with the fastest players in the entire competition. So, yeah, if he can um, get a bit of ball on those, you know, you know what it's like in Canberra as the season progresses. It can be a bit chilly and cold and not necessarily the best for, for, for speedsters. But, yeah, there's no reason why he can't uh, put his hand up as a, as a potential World Cup bolter. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, and Christian touched upon it as well. I know we spoke to Dan McKellar too, and and he was there all rattling on how about Tavita Kurandrani, who spent yeah. a bit of time in Egypt and mm. travelling for the first time ever. Really, wasn't on a spring tour. Got to um, travel a bit of the world, and apparently he came back in the the lightest he's ever been, about 105 kgs, but probably three or four kilos lighter than he ever has. He's 
I think he's put on an extra kilo since returning, apparently. But he looks in great shape. And in the past, he's reminded us of Ma Nono, like someone who hasn't really delivered for the first half of the Super Rugby season. Always leaves you wondering, is he actually going to play Test Match footy? But this is a guy who is just... Uh, bollocking train wrecking ball yep and and the thing that the guys have been talking about too is that he's talking more this year uh in pre-season in, in training than he ever has before so you know maybe he's he's older wiser um and and as you say he had that injury last year he really desperately wanted to go on the spring tour and and didn't wasn't quite there um so he's making up for a bit of lost time perhaps so where are they going to finish the brumbies uh, I've got them penciled down for second in the Australian Conference, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they, they top it. Um, yeah, it may may hinge on whether they can get Pocock out there most weeks and how that all plays out. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think they're, they're so settled. McKellar um, seems confident. Christian Liliofano, um, he, he's now fully healthy. So, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll go very close to, to nudging the Tars for the Aussie Conference. Yeah, look, I've, I've already said that I think the Rebels will top it with the Waratah second so I think the the Brumbies third but as you say there's not going to be much over it you could almost probably throw a a sheet over them and that's where they'll kind of finish Um, but the Brumbies I've said that I think two Australian teams could make the finals almost three I think potentially wow um, let's not get greedy Christy let's not get greedy there's a lot of depth there hang on so let's lock this in because we'll we'll get this out at the end of the, the season so you're saying Three Australian teams will yeah, make I, the finals in Super Rugby. I think that uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Okay. I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> I reckon th- this weekend is such a big game with the Waratahs Hurricanes. If from an Australian perspective, if they could notch a win in the first round uh, against a, a top quality New Zealand side, missing Bowden Barrett, it will just give the Australian Conference a, a lot of confidence going forward. I think that might, as they say, set the cat amongst the pigeons. Mm. Hot takes. Mm. It's a hot shit and hot takes. Mm. Starting the season hot. I like it. All right. So uh, that brings us finally to uh, the star-studded Melbourne Rebels and uh, their coach, Dave Vessels. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Is that the headline? This is a bit of a treat as well. We've got Dave Vessels. We just spoke to Brad Thorne just a few moments ago and now uh, one of Australia's best up-and-coming coaches, Dave Vessels. Dave, uh, look, I can imagine that after the season that was beforehand, nice to have a pre-season where things run a little bit more smooth. You've got who you want in the, in the group. Yeah, I actually was just saying to somebody outside that I think it's probably been one of my most enjoyable pre-seasons. You know, like I think, uh, I think we, we made a lot of positive changes based on the review that we had at the end of the season and a lot of the things that we wanted to do better changed everything we changed the layout of the building we've changed the place where we meet the way we run meetings uh, some of the way we want to play we've changed coaching staff we've changed some medical staff we've, you know a lot of exciting changes and I think it's brought a real energy to the group um, um, and I've enjoyed it so much just because I think guys are genuinely wanting to get better like I think everybody comes in every day and we've got a real competitive mindset guys are trying to compete on a really good thing that's made it fun uh, and um, so I hope that the boys uh, get the reward for that over the next couple of years. Pre-seasons, you often see groups, the team, go away and do something a little bit unusual that you wouldn't necessarily do throughout a, 
uh, you know, the actual in-season. Did you, did you get away or any interesting team bonding exercises? Yeah, we've done, we've done quite a lot of that sort of stuff. We've, we've had a, a big interaction with PwC, actually, who are one of our, one of our, our partners, and uh, they've done some great work with us. But one of the things is just that, um, uh, you know, Melbourne's one of the world's most livable cities. You know, we just live in this wonderful city. And so we decided as a team just to make the most of Melbourne, you know, to spend right. time in and around Melbourne and uh, getting to know the city that we represent. And Is this um, where we saw some of the players like Quaid and so forth go bike riding throughout the city? Yeah, yeah. So we do things like an amazing race through the city and we've got various things like that, you know. But it's just about, you know, having fun but also getting together as a group and uh, just using the magic of Melbourne to sort of fuel us and, and get excited about the people that we represent. Absolutely. Uh, the captaincy hasn't been announced just yet. Are you, um, we're, we're interviewing this, uh, the Super Rugby launch on Tuesday, a week and a half before the season kicks off. Uh, but look, are you able to give us a little scoop about who that might be? Yeah, the only people that know that at, the, at this point is me and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the player that it's going to be. <laughs> uh, I think what we're doing at the moment is we, we recognise one of the big things that we have to do better is just is leadership across the board. And uh, we felt that uh, not anointing a single person with that responsibility is, you know, uh, means that different people have the responsibility to step up at different times. Yeah. Uh, we're very lucky to have a guy like Tom Wilson Squibb join us, who's our performance and leadership coach, and he's done a lot of work with um, you know teams like the Stormers and the Sharks over time. But he's, he's also working with some of the IPL teams and things like that. And, and uh, uh, so we wanted to develop our leadership sort of skills right across the board. You know, so the guy who actually wears the armband probably in the end is a little bit less relevant. Uh, um, than our, our ability as an entire group just to be a little bit more mature and a little bit more composed and, and I guess wise in some of the way that we go about things. How do you see this year? Because last year was the, the Rebels' best in terms of on-field performances uh, with victories, just missing out in the, the top, or oh, sorry, the top eight there. Um, but this year it's clearly, it's stacked, littered with Wallabies right the way through. Do you, ha- do you come in here with any extra pressure? Knowing how good the, the squad you've got on paper is, oh, I mean, you, I guess on the one hand, you know, we, we we did make some improvements last year. I think we went from I think last the, the previous year to ninth, and so we improved nine places because it was an 18 team comp back then. Um, and so there was, you know, there were some things that we were doing well. You know, we don't absolutely throw everything out, maybe out of the bathwater, but. Um, you know, to be honest, we deserve to finish now. That's just a reality. If we don't accept that, we don't acknowledge that. We never have a meaningful conversation about what are the things we need to do to get better. You know? uh, and I think, I think just missing out on the finals um, in the way that we did it, it, it really hurts at the time, to be honest. And I think that hurt has been really good for us because it's, it's made us have pretty honest conversations about the things that we can improve on. Um, and we've actioned a lot of those things already in the preseason, but we've got to. We've got to keep going. You know? our, our ambition is just to be the best team that we can possibly be. And we certainly weren't that last year, so we've got a lot of room to go. There, there will be questions asked if you, if you don't make the finals, though. But, but how, how far do you think this team can, can go? Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, you know, like if we were a 100 metre runner, you know, we want to run our personal best. We want to run our equivalent of a, of a 9.9 hundred metres. And, and uh, every week we want to try and get a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker. And, um, we're happy for them. We're not happy, but we understand at the moment if there's a, if there's a, a team that are really running around nine seven and they come and play better than us and win, that's gonna that's gonna hurt me much less than if we don't run our version of our best. And I think in the past, maybe my inexperience as a coach, but I worried a lot about what the other teams were doing and all sorts of other things. And I'm actually, you know, I'll probably have my most enjoyable preseason because I've I'm really just focused on what we're doing. I've enjoyed seeing people really want to get better and really work hard and. 
that's that's our intent to, to play the rest of the season. You know? We just got to we, we got to be the best version of ourselves. You love a running analogy. You, I think it was a, a marathon before. Now it's a hundred meter sprint. Out of curiosity, how how good were you uh, over the hundred meters? I was terrible. <laughs> uh, I've, I've tried to stop running a little bit uh, again because I, I hit the I hit the hundred kilo mark a little while ago. So is that right? Really good. My, wife's, my wife sat me down and had a bit of a chat. So we, we, I've done. Uh, Bet our chairman uh, running a competition that you have to exercise uh, every day consecutively for your age. So I'm 35. So yesterday I finished 35 days of consecutive exercise. So uh, um, if I, uh, uh, I hope I'm looking a little bit slimmer to you. <laughs> Better say something good. Oh mate, you're down in Melbourne, so I can't say I see you too often. Mainly interactions over the phone. But finishing up, like yourself, if now what your third full season as a, as a head coach. Um, players like Will Genia last year described you a little bit similar to Eddie Jones in terms of the uh, the seriousness and the intensity that you bring. Do you still think that, that, that do you have that kind of aspect about there, do you think? Because you, you would have learned under him and, and Jake White at times um, as a coach. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, probably when I'm enjoying myself the most and when I think, you know, most, most athletes enjoy themselves, elite athletes, is when, when they're competing. Um, so that's an, you know, there's an intensity element about that, and then when they're getting better, it's, you know, the two things are connected. You know, you, if you if you if you compete, you get better. That's that's the reality. And so we're trying to create an environment where we're doing that all the time. Right? And um, um, you know, I think maybe some people see that as intensity, but I, I see that as enjoyment. You know, like I'm, I'm I've got the biggest smile on my face when I see guys really having a crack at each other. You know, wanting to wanting to try plus one over over the other guy. You know, so. Um, that's that's the fun stuff, and um, 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 yeah, I, I definitely did have some words with uh, with, with Willie G for comparing me to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's one of the most successful coaches going around, so it's not the worst shout. Look, Dave, great to see you, and I hope that you uh, have a successful year and that smile continues to, to shine bright. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for your time. Yes, Dave Vessels there, and um, he is just uh, so infectiously enthusiastic about his, his rugby. It's always so fascinating to hear him talk. Uh, it must be said, though, Christy, I actually thought that Dave had dropped a couple of kilos. He's invited you to say, Dave, you've dropped a couple of kilos, <laughs> and you've given it the, oh, well, I'm not sure we don't catch up too often. <laughs> that was bloody rude. He's given you five minutes of his time, and you've... You've been quite rude. The former marathon runner, he's a hard taskmaster, isn't he? Unless, wow. unless your bloody body fat's down below 5%, he's not impressed. Yeah, that, that's the long story short, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm just glad we got to the end of the interviews and I don't have to hear my voice any longer. But um, <laughs> yes. thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> <laughs> the hard-hitting interviews. Um, Dane Hallett-Petty, also for the record, was uh, announced shortly after that uh, as captain. And uh, what did you make of that move by the Rebels? I don't think there's too many surprises that Adam Coleman's no longer the captain because he didn't have his best year last year. There's strong links to him moving overseas to to London Irish, I think, in the English Premiership. So it it kind of does make sense, just eases the burden a little bit on on Adam Coleman. Hopefully he can get back and start whacking people. And and he's got a big responsibility if he's calling the line out too. Luke Jones has come back from Bordeaux. Um, so I, I think the line-out will run better as it is, um, but, but he needs to have a, a big year, particularly for not only the Rebels, but Australian rugby on a whole with the Wallabies. Huge, huge season. Jeff Parling is a big part of that, that line-out as well because he's um, gone in having retired from playing. He's now uh, the coach 
uh, the forwards coach down there. So, you know, that's probably, by all reports, is uh, is a very good move, a very good technician. Yeah, technician is, is the word. Um, you know, they, they really hone in on that set piece stuff up north, don't they? And he was, by all accounts, one of the best in the, the business at it. But just yeah, going back to that leadership stuff, I do, I do find it uh, quite interesting, the dynamic there at the Rebels, because last year we saw Adam Coleman with the C beside his name, but Will Guinea was completely, let's face it, taking control of the team, doing all the talking, the direction. And he'll do that again, won't he? He won't, he won't change. So, yeah, Haylett Petty, um, you know, he's got to find his own voice within that environment because obviously Quaid there now as well. Um, you know, it'd be easy just to revert to Will and Quaid running the whole show and that, that's probably a big job for, for Vessels to, you know, to, to encourage those other younger guys to, to find their own roles within that team. So it'll be, be one to watch for sure because you don't, don't always, they've been taught that Angus Cottrell would, would get the nod. Normally it is a forward. You don't see too many fullbacks uh, captaining teams. So, yeah, an interesting to want, one to watch. You uh, you touched on Will and Quaid there, and you really can't have a conversation with the Rebels in 2019 without talking about Will Ginninger and, and Quaid Cooper. Quaid obviously having uh, found a home in Melbourne now. Um, and on the surface, that would look like a good thing. But as you say, the, the, the combination uh, previously has run the show um, and and sometimes by all reports has run the show not always within uh, team guidelines they kind of do their own thing sometimes is that a, a danger for the rebels that uh, that they that they do their own thing and, and step outside quite possibly yeah I, I think most people would be concerned about that I, I wonder how much that year away for Quade Cooper has helped just level him mature him as a player like it's probably pretty humbling from a bloke who's played 70 tests to go back and be basically demoted to playing first grade for Souths in Brisbane rugby so I, I would hope that he's matured a heck of a lot well, as a player I think he has uh, I've listened to a lot of um a lot of the stuff that he said, I've read a lot of the stuff he said, and, and again in our preseason, uh, perhaps we've spent a lot of time with him, and I would say that yeah, he's he appears to uh, to have matured. I I think it's a great thing for the Rebels personally. Yeah. I think I think he needed a strong coach. He needs a strong coach. You and McKenzie previously had such a great successful relationship, and then come in and and he leaves. Richard Graham comes in. Nick Styles comes in. Guys that aren't particularly experienced with. Uh, runs on the board to back up justification as coaches. So, um, yeah, there was strong reports out of Brisbane that those two were really running the show at, at Ballymore. Um, Dave Vessels, I think, I don't think he'll cop that. He's, he's the person that's running it down in Melbourne. Yeah, he's a different type of coach, though, isn't he? Obviously a very young man, and he um, quite spoke about it, that you know he wasn't sure about moving himself. He was, you know, would have been semi-content to stay in Brisbane and do his own, his own thing. But, uh, yeah, after coming to Melbourne, I think Dave was you know, driving back and forth from the airport and just those little extra touches that they really seemed to to hit it off. So, I mean, you've, you've got to place all your faith uh, in your number 10, don't you? You've got to have full faith in them. But there is the interesting additional dynamic of Matt Tamua um, possibly coming into the picture late in the season, depending on how his uh, English club goes. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's another big question mark as well. If it's not if it's not going amazingly well with, with Quaid, is, is Tamua going to end this, end this season running the, the show? So, yeah, we you know, some people, you know, bag us for, for concentrating on Quaid and these same guys all the time, but it's hard to escape it. He really is going to be one of the fascinating storylines this season for sure. No doubt, and I hope that we can see Quaid Cooper, not only for the Rebels, but potentially for the Wallabies get back to his best. He certainly hasn't given up hope of wearing um, the gold jersey again. So um, it is a, a much improved uh, roster in, in many ways for the Rebels. They had a great start to last season 
and uh, and just tailed off. Where will they finish in 2019, Christy? Yeah, I think they will top the the pops for Australian rugby and, and they'll make their first finals series and, and that's the real expectation. If they don't, there's there's big question marks on them. There will be question marks on why Dave Vessels couldn't get this team to, to deliver. Listen to someone like Ben Darwin, though. He uh, runs his game line analytics um, and, and he would say that with cohesion, it takes time for... You can't just throw a team together, a world-class team, and, and see them instantly have success. It's one of the challenges of the British and Irish Lions. Mm. But... Um, but that, given that team, the combinations that Quaid and Will have had in the past, that they should do well. I think they've had some of the best recruits too with Luke Jones and Quaid himself. Um, they will they will do well and, and hopefully we can see someone like Jordan Ulysses as well come back on the park soon after his devastating injury just before the June series last year. Yeah, I've got them penciled in for third in the Australian Conference, but I'll I'll sit on the fence slightly that I wouldn't be surprised to see them topping it either, but I've got them third. And, yeah, maybe the, the front row, a slight question mark there, whether they're, they're up there with the... The, the better front rows in the comp and, and there's massive question marks on Quaid, isn't there? I mean, he wasn't he wasn't jettisoned for no reason. He, he hasn't played great rugby for a long time. We hope he can get back to it and, and playing with Guinea will, will help. But uh, I think that's far from a banker as well. So, yeah, still, still plenty of question marks. You're not wrong. The, the Rebels four pack, their scrum was demolished by the Reds last year towards the back end with a couple of rounds to go and they did seemingly choke as well with the finals almost in the bank losing what, three of the last four or so uh, I hate that word, choke well, it's, it was the big. It was the final. Was kind of. I hated as well, but I reckon that that game probably was was fair enough to place it in that category. Though I reckon. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, gentlemen, are we done? I think so. All right, you've got to get to training, mate. That's right. Get Lace up those on. boots. It's been nice knowing you, Christy. <laughs> um, good <laughs> luck this afternoon. Uh, this is last podcast. <laughs> and uh, and don't forget. Um, Super Rugby on Fox Sports kicks off uh, 5 p.m. Eastern on uh, on Friday with uh, with the kickoff hosted by Lou Ransom. Then we'll be in uh, Canberra for uh, the Brumbies and the Rebels, and then straight after that, the kick on. We're kicking on after the game, so uh, that's back in the studio with uh, Lou and Drew and Halsey and Sean Maloney as well. So a couple of different things on a Friday night. Super Saturday back on the Saturday as well. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to uh, an entertaining season as we head towards the World Cup in Japan. There's a, a lot to like about rugby in 2019. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. 